This is Here's How, Ireland's political, social and current affairs podcast, presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading episode 49 of Here's How. The Gardasil vaccine protects against strains of HPV, the sexually transmitted virus that causes cervical cancer and kills scores of Irish women every year. In this podcast, I'm looking at people who have mounted a campaign against its use in Ireland. Here's How is Ireland's political, social and current affairs podcast. Make your view heard. Just dial 076 603 5060 and tell the world what you're thinking. Your voicemail may be included in the next podcast. You can find tips on recording your contribution and other ways to contact the show at hereshow.ie slash call. For this episode, I wanted to interview someone from a group called Regret. Regret say that their name stands for Reactions and Effects of Gardasil Resulting in Extreme Trauma and they claim that their daughters have been adversely affected by the Gardasil vaccine. Since 2006, the vaccine is offered to first-year girls to inoculate them against certain strains of the HPV virus. The HPV virus is incredibly common. Probably 80% of the population have it. There are more than 100 strains of the virus, and most strains are completely harmless and have no symptoms. But some strains, including those covered by the Gardasil vaccine, are known to cause cervical cancer in women. Last year, 90 Irish women died of cervical cancer, and hundreds more had extensive surgery and chemotherapy in an effort to cure it. The Regret Group says that they represent girls who were seriously adversely affected by the vaccine. I haven't talked to any of the girls directly but from the descriptions, it certainly seems that they are seriously ill. I'm not a doctor, but the symptoms described seem to be similar to chronic fatigue syndrome. One problem is that Regret haven't offered any evidence at all that there is a link between the illnesses and the vaccine. Another problem is that there is a mountain of evidence that no such link exists. A third problem is that Regret have made a long series of statements, particularly on local radio interviews, that are simply untrue, and that can be found to be untrue within a few seconds using Google. And even if you don't have Google, some of the statements are so outlandish that basic critical reasoning should tell you that they are highly dubious. Take this statement from an interview Anna Cannon gave to the Donegal station Highland Radio. When they approve a vaccine, they approve it on the basis of benefit versus risk. But if we look at the manufacturer's own trials on this drug, we know that one in 30 experienced very serious side effects and one in 40 with a new autoimmune condition. That is simply false. I've searched high and low for anything that resembles those figures. I asked Regret for their source, and they didn't respond. I'll get to that in a minute. But it took me only a few seconds to find the true figure. Unlike Regret, I'm going to have properly sourced references for everything I say here. It's all in the show notes. The true figure is on the website of the FDA, the US Food and Drug Administration. And it's not one in 30. It's more like one in 30,000. And this is Anna Cannon again, speaking from notes at the Joint Oireachtas Committee on Health and Children. Well, we also know 
is that in a later four-year clinical trial by Merck, one in 40 of trial participants reported a serious adverse event after taking the Gardasil HPV vaccine. And in addition to this, one in 30 also reported a new autoimmune condition. But note that she doesn't quite say the same thing there. In that version, she has reversed the 1 in 30 and 1 in 40 figures. A slip of the tongue. Maybe, maybe not. Here she is on Sligo's Ocean FM. So, I mean, we know that most of the safety studies are done based on the manufacturer's own trials and own research. And if you look at Merck's own trials in 2010, 1 in 30 displayed serious adverse events, and they would be very serious. It would be long-term health impairment, hospitalisation long-term, wheelchair for life, death, uh, birth defects, and so on. And one in 40 uh, experienced a new autoimmune condition. Let's apply just a little bit of reason to that. One in 30 or even one in 40 girls, that would be at least one girl in every first-year class in every secondary school in the country, given that uptake rates were up to about 80%. If one girl in every class had suffered long-term hospitalisation, permanently being confined to a wheelchair or died, wouldn't we have noticed that? And birth defects. Hang on, she said that this was a 2010 study. The vaccine was only introduced in 2006 and given mainly to 12-year-old girls. Sure, some girls have had babies by the time they're 16, but not so many. And it really strikes me as implausible that a girl would have had a baby, have it discovered to have a birth defect, and have that birth defect investigated and attributed to the vaccine all before the age of 16. It's certainly implausible for that to happen in statistically significant numbers. So I searched the medical literature, and this claim has no support. What I did find is that this conjecture has been studied and found to be false. I used Google Scholar, the search engine for scientific literature, and it took me about four minutes to find the relevant paper. Again, all links are in the show notes on the website. Anna Cannon also said this at the Joint Committee on Health and Children. Given the current rate of incidence on cervical cancer in Ireland is only 13 in 100,000, the benefits of this vaccine hardly appear to outweigh the risks. And that is actually true. I checked it out. It's not quite true. The true figure is 15, not 13 per 100,000. And it's not 15 per 100,000. It's 15 new cases per 100,000 per year. In fairness to Gret, they do make that clear on their website, although she didn't say it in the committee. And while the figure is true, it is grossly misleading. It might be relevant to use statistics on how many people catch a cold each year, but for life-altering and fatal diseases, quoting an incidence per year is nonsense. For 90 of the women who had cervical cancer last year, they won't show up in this year's statistics because the cancer killed them. In fact, neither will the hundreds of women who are still suffering the after-effects of surgery and chemotherapy. The statistically valid way of reporting the incidence of life-altering and fatal diseases is lifetime risk. And that risk is one woman in 115 in Ireland will get cervical cancer at some time in her life. And that risk will continue 
for the girls who Regret is scaring off getting the vaccine. I contacted Regret looking for an interview, and I had several long telephone conversations and email exchanges with them, mostly with Anna Cannon. I made it clear that I would deal with them respectfully and I wouldn't push them to answer questions outside their areas of expertise. Anna Cannon asked would I supply a list of questions in advance and I made it clear that this was not possible, either ethically or practically. But I would give her a full briefing on the areas that I intended to cover so that she could be prepared for the interview. In the end, Anna Cannon said that she wouldn't have the time to do the interview but agreed to answer some written questions. I've sent a list of 10 written questions, mostly asking for the sources of some of the claims that they've made, and I've sent reminders, and I haven't received any response. In the phone calls with Anna Cannon, it seemed that she was very wary of contact with the media and was anxious to establish if I would present my report in a sympathetic way to them. At different points, she asked if I was recording or taking notes of our phone calls. I never record without permission. She also asked if I supported them. I said that I would report the facts. Since then, Regret have not returned my phone calls or responded to emails. There are many things that Regret said where I wanted to ask them for sources. But in a couple of cases, I've been able to track down the sources of what they're saying myself. One post on their Facebook page says, this is a direct quote, Merck and the CDC have determined, Merck is the company that makes the vaccine. The CDC is the Centers for Disease Control in the US. Merck and the CDC have determined that one out of every 912 who received the Gardasil vaccine in a large study died. Girls are better off not taking the shot because the Gardasil shot kills the girls in greater numbers than does the disease it purports to treat. That's a direct quote. It says that the Gardasil shot kills the girls. Now, in a clinical trial, it's absolutely normal to record what happens to all of the participants, who got the treatment, who got the placebo, what happened to them, and all of this information is published. Of course, in a large group of many thousands of people, some people will die of unrelated causes, and this is also recorded and published. For the Gardasil study, the relevant paragraph starts out, the most common cause of death was motor vehicle accident, five individuals who received Gardasil and four individuals who got the control. And the paragraph continues and it's followed by two people who got Gardasil and six people who got the placebo dying by suicide and down through the other ways that any of the other participants died. Anyone with enough intelligence to tie their shoelaces can see that those deaths are totally unrelated to receiving the vaccine Firstly, because people in the placebo group were equally likely to suffer unfortunate coincidental deaths. And secondly, because vaccines don't cause car accidents. The only way to get the total figure, which is cited in that post of one person in 912, is to go through that paragraph in the Gardasil document and add up all the deaths in the Gardasil group. That means reading through where it refers to car accidents, suicides, and so forth. There is simply no way to find an innocent explanation of that falsehood. The person who wrote that text, which was posted on the Regret Facebook page, deliberately lied. I know that sometimes people repost things on Facebook without checking them out, 
and I'm sure that accounts for some of the false information that's posted on Regret's Facebook page. But I find interesting Regret's reaction to finding out that something is false. Regret's Facebook page is public, but you must be approved to join it. I was researching the topic, so I applied to join, and I was approved. About a week later, I saw a post of a hoax news article which claimed falsely that an American girl named Meredith Prohaska died as a result of being given the vaccine. There did exist a girl by that name. She did die in October 2014, and the coroner performed an autopsy which determined that her death was caused by a drug overdose. I found the Snopes page. Snopes is a website specializing in investigating myths. I found the page explaining this, and I posted the link as a reply without any other comment on their Facebook page. Within minutes, there was a series of hostile comments and demands that I explain why the Snopes page was older than the story. I then posted some links showing that Meredith Prohaska died in 2014, not in 2016, as is claimed in the hoax article, and I got more insults, and I was banned from the page. Anyone can make a mistake. But this behaviour is not indicative of someone who has made a mistake. I don't want to speculate on the motives of the people behind the regret group, but the simple fact is that their false information is going to cost women's lives. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you want your point of view heard, dial 076-603-5060 and leave a contribution for the show. The lines are open 24-7 and you can find tips on how to record a good contribution and other ways to contact the podcast at hereshow.ie slash call. I'm joined on the phone line now by Dr. Brenda Corcoran. She is the HSE's consultant in public health medicine at the HSE National Immunization Office. Um, Dr. Corcoran, can you tell me what your... Um, Obviously, you're a medical doctor. What other qualifications do you have in this? I have a master's in public health, and I am a fellow of the Faculty of Public Health Medicine in Ireland. As you know, there's been a lot of controversy, uh, particularly with um, some groups um, who are uh, campaigning against and uh, very concerned about the HPV uh, Gardasil vaccine that's being given to young girls. I think it's uh, first-year girls in secondary school in Ireland. Um, just for the uh, ignorant, which probably includes myself, can you start off with exactly what is a vaccine in layman's terms? A vaccine um, is a product that is usually injected into somebody that contains um, some of the actual infection either killed or uh, inactivated or very weakened mm -hmm. to create immunity within the person similar to if they have would have contracted the disease itself and to provide long-lasting immunity from that disease but without the complications of the disease. Okay, so this would be like when I was a child, I think I did get measles. That means I'm not going to get measles again because my, the, there are antibodies in my systems that will now keep measles away from me for the rest of my life. The vaccine would trigger those antibodies to be created without actually me having the illness of um, measles. Is that correct? There are differences in vaccines in as much as some vaccines are what are known as live vaccines. That mm -hmm. is, they contain a weakened form of the, of the virus or the bacteria that causes the disease. In those instances, generally one vaccine is enough. Once you receive that vaccine, you will, you will not develop the disease once you develop immunity to the, from the vaccine. Mm -hmm. In other vaccines, sometimes the immunity wanes 
um, and you may need to get booster doses of those vaccines. So there are different types of vaccines, different groups of vaccines. Okay. And this particular vaccine against is against HPV or certain strains of HPV. Can you tell me exactly what is HPV? HPV infection is the most common sexually transmitted disease worldwide. About 80% of all women will have a HPV infection in their lifetime, usually in their late teens and early 20s. Oh, hold on there. So, so basically 80% or a very high proportion of all girls as they become sexually active are infected with some strain of HPV. Correct. Most HPV infections clear naturally, mm-hmm. but some caused by high-risk types can progress to cervical cancer. The problem is we don't know which girls will clear the infections naturally and which girls will go on to progress and develop cervical cancer. Okay, and I understand that the rate of cervical cancer, which is caused by some strains, there are many strains of HPV and a couple of strains of it cause um, cervical cancer. And am I correct in saying that that cancer affects about one uh, female in about 115 in Ireland? Is that correct? Ireland has one of the highest rates of cervical cancer in Western Europe. Every year, about 90 women die from the disease. About 280, uh, mostly young women, need to have quite invasive treatment for invasive cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. And over 6,500 women are diagnosed with a high-grade pre-cancer, which requires quite a significant amount of hospital treatment, and they then need to be monitored for some time afterwards to see that they've cleared the disease. And the HPV vaccine that is being given to young girls, uh, first-year students in uh, secondary schools, um, has been criticised um, in particular by a group called Regret. I was talking to them. Uh, I had a long email exchange with them and also uh, several long telephone calls. And in the end, uh, they declined to talk to uh, the podcast, although they've made a, a very long um, strain of um, uh, media appearances in many, many local radio stations. Uh, and I just wanted you, because you're the person with the qualifications, just to comment on some of the claims that they're making on their websites and on uh, some other radio interviews. One of them that has been repeated several times is that one girl in 30 who is given Gardasil experiences very serious side effects and one in 40 has a new autoimmune condition. Um, first of all, can you tell me, um, what would the definition of a very serious side effect be? No medicine is without side effects. Mm-hmm. There are what is, what is known as expected side effects that have been shown to be proven to be caused by the medicine or the vaccine in this case. Um, and they are outlined in the license documentation provided for the medicine or the, or the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, the expected side effects from, from HPV vaccine are relatively mild in as much as one girl in 10 will get pain and swelling at the site of the injection and they may develop a headache. Mm-hmm. About one girl in 100 will develop nausea, quite severe pain in the arm and they may develop a temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, about one girl in 1,000 to one girl in 10,000 will get what's known as urticaria or um, uh, itchy rash hives. Mm-hmm. Severe allergic reactions are extremely rare. They occur in about one in a million 
girls who are vaccinated or boys as happens in some countries Mm -hmm. and the other adverse event that is known to occur after HPV vaccine but which also occurs after vaccines given to any teenagers is that they may faint Mm -hmm. and fainting is quite common after vaccination in adolescence. Why is that? I think it's part of their um, anxiety over a vaccination. It's it's about 10%, one in 10 girls will faint. It's a very well-known phenomenon and it's not peculiar to HPV vaccine. There are other vaccines given to teenagers and they're, they're girls more than boys tend to faint. It's something that's well recognised in that age group. It's something that happens. And I think the HSE vaccination teams are well able to manage the the fainting. And and oftentimes, if the girls are all together and they talk about the anxiety they may have about getting an injection, it tends to make things worse. So the vaccination teams are very well experienced in terms of making sure the girls who are vaccinated um, don't meet the girls who are waiting in the waiting room to be vaccinated vaccinated to try to minimize the the level of fainting but it's something that's well recognized after vaccination in teenagers okay i've got in front of me and i will post uh, this and all the other um references on the notes for this podcast but i've got a document um from the health products regulatory authority which is listing all of the um the suspected adverse reactions to Gardasil and uh, there's a couple of hundred uh, incidents there as you say most of those are things like uh, sore arm, hives, fainting and most of those are are, um, uh, very quickly recovered from but I'm just interested in the way that those are reported what's the level of proof that somebody has to have to say that what happened to me after I got the injection was actually caused by the injection well, that's a degree of scientific proof has to be ascertained. Certain conditions may occur at or around the time of other episodes in one's life, but that does not necessarily mean that they are caused by the, the, the two are linked and that there's a causal relationship between the two of them. So, so correlation um, is not causation? It's not, absolutely. I mean, there there is a very good example of that um, in as much as um, if you look at the incidence of drownings mm-hmm. and you look at the incidence and the consumption of ice cream over the course of a year, they could be seen to be linked because the more uh, drownings tend to happen in the summer months. Um, so there are more drownings in the summer months and people eat ice cream during the summer months. So you could, if you wanted to, say that they are linked and they are co- the one causes the other, where in actual fact that does not make any scientific sense at all. Um, so there are scientific um, criteria to establish whether one issue is caused by another issue, another um, issue in, in medicine. So there are very strict scientific guidelines which have to be verified scientifically to show that one issue um, is caused by another. Mm-hmm. And the international bodies have continued and continue to look at some of the very rare issues by which you ha- may have to uh, that occur extraordinarily rarely, such as some of these autoimmune issues, some of, such as chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and they all, all the evidence has shown that there is no link between uh, the incidence of these issues and 
the number of vaccines that have been given. Okay, I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested in that. I want to go. So a lot of the, and I've looked at the um, Regret website and they list about 54 cases. They don't give any evidence and they don't give the names of the people, but they list, um, for example, a first name and a county or a first name and saying uh, Connacht or something like that. And they list what sometimes seem to be quite tragic cases. A lot of them sound to me doesn't have any medical qualification, but they sound something like the chronic fatigue uh, syndrome. Do you think that they those cases exist, but they are unrelated to Gardasil and most of the girls who get that have had Gardasil because most girls have had Gardasil? Is that, that what you think the case is? I think that most of the conditions that these girls are reporting have been around for many, many years. If, mm-hmm. if you take chronic fatigue syndrome, for example, it's been known for over 200 years. It's three to four times more common in girls, and it's most common in young adolescents. Um, the World Health Organization has recently looked at this issue, as have the European Medicines Agency, and they have looked at the millions of doses of vaccine that have been administered and compared whether there has been any increase in the rate of chronic fatigue syndrome or similar type conditions in girls who were vaccinated compared to girls who were not, and there is no increase in the number of cases. These cases happen. It's, it's a, a very unfortunate condition, um, chronic fatigue syndrome and it's quite a long-lasting condition but fortunately most girls do recover from it um, and most girls um, manage to live normal lives afterwards. It's a, it's a very debilitating condition when it does happen but it is not caused by the vaccine. I have seen some really quite outlandishly different um, figures. So for example the, the regret group are saying that and their figures vary, but they are saying that one in 30 or one in 40 girls have serious side effects. And I've also looked at the FDA, that's the Food and Drug Administration website, which says that in the United States, in, a, in over a long study, about 700 girls out of 23 million who were treated experienced serious side effects. Where are they getting those figures? I, I don't know is the short answer, but what I do know is that in Ireland and in the U- US, anybody can report a side effect. Mm-hmm. So if they have a concern that the side effect may be related to the vaccine, they can go on to the HPRA website and they can report that. Mm-hmm. And in the US, they, they publish all the details of all the reports that they get. So, for example, if a girl unfortunately dies as a result of a road accident following HPV vaccine, that is reported. Mm -hmm. That does not mean the HPV vaccine caused the death, but that is reported on the website of the adverse reaction um, monitoring system that they have. So I know that some um, people have taken all the information that are of the reports that have not been shown to be caused by the vaccine, but have happened around the time of vaccination and have said these happened because of the vaccine. And that's the only supposition I can make, but I don't have direct information. And I'm quoting here uh, Anna Cannon, who's the spokesperson for for regret. Uh, she said that if you look at, and I asked her for the source of this and I haven't received an answer, but she said if you look at Merck's own trials in 2010, one in 30 displays serious adverse events and they would be very serious. They would include long-term health impairments, hospitalization long-term, wheelchair for life, death, 
birth defects and so on. But one in 30 would be like one girl out of every, you know, uh, first year class. That's a, an enormously high rate. Do we have any in, uh, indication that there there is one girl in 30 or one girl in every first year class suffering from long-term health impairments like long-term hospitalization, being in a wheelchair for life uh, and so forth? No. Um, the information that I have from the clinical trials is that of the people who were given the vaccine, 0.8% developed a serious adverse event after the vaccination. What that is the threshold for serious? Well, this is what they what they talk about is serious. They're talking about something that may require hospitalisation or something that may have long lasting long lasting consequences. Mm-hmm. And that that constituted 128 people, 128 girls in Ireland. No, no. This is this is at the clinical trials, right? And, I'm and just going a, back to your query on the clinical trials. Across how many doses given? They, they were full com- these were 15,000 people were given the vaccine mm-hmm. and they, at that time they were given three doses of vaccine and 128 developed what was referred to as a serious adverse event mm-hmm. and 123 of those were unrelated to the vaccine. So that refers to girls who developed appendicitis, pneumonia, kidney infections, car infections, Ah, car car accidents. So even though they were reported as serious adverse events, by far and away, the majority of those were unrelated to the vaccine. The others were referring to a very sore arm and wheezing. As we've mentioned already, wheezing is a rare but serious complication after the vaccine. There are girls who have some symptoms and they are quite wide-ranging symptoms um, and they are alleging that they are caused by the vaccine. We know in Ireland that over 220,000 girls have received the full vaccine course Mm -hmm. and that was three doses and is now two doses. So over 660,000 doses of vaccine have been given. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we can say is that our own health products regulatory authority have said that the the adverse events that have been reported to them and all health professionals are obliged to send in adverse event reports and any, as I said, members of the general public can also report and any of the adverse events that have been reported to them are in line with what they would have expected. So that is in line with the license documentation from the vaccine. So the issue of other symptoms that may have occurred around the time of vaccination, that's not to say the girls don't have those symptoms, but what we can say is that they were not caused by the vaccine. Adolescents develop autoimmune diseases. They develop chronic fatigue syndrome before the vaccine was, was introduced. That is well known. Mm-hmm. These, many of these conditions develop in adolescence. Um, and many of these conditions can be very debilitating. Um, uh, but they are not caused by the vaccine. Okay. One, qu- one question. Approximately what percentage of uh, girls going through first year are being given uh, this uh, vaccine? The uptake rate, um, when we started the vaccine program in 2010, our target uptake rate was 80%. Mm-hmm. And up to 2014-15, we achieved that. In fact, we achieved a target uptake, or we achieved an uptake rate of 87%, which was a great credit to all the vaccination teams. And that meant that we would have reduced the impact of this terrible disease which causes cancer and also causes severe um, issues for for women uh, longer term. Um, However, 
Um, last year, our uptake, and we don't have final figures yet, was of the order of 70%. And that meant that at least 5,000 girls who would have been vaccinated were not vaccinated. This year, so far, our uptake is even less. So we have huge concerns that girls will not be protected from this devastating disease. Cancer experts in Ireland are really concerned that we will fall behind. And we know that in countries such as Australia, where the vaccine program has been extremely effective and they have kept up with high uptake rates, they actually don't see precancers in young girls. Their rates have dropped dramatically because of the impact of the disease. So we know that the vaccine works. We know that it has a huge impact, but we will not see that unless girls are vaccinated. And would it be um, reasonable to say that girls, some people will die of cancer because of the drop in vaccination rates that's associated with this anti-vaccine campaign? Yes. Okay. I have one last question. I know that um, Regret have been very vocal on one particular topic. They say that pejoratively what they refer to as a marketing leaflet, the information leaflet that is sent home with girls to give information to parents and also along with a consent form to be signed, doesn't include the package information leaflet. So this is like the little folded up piece of paper that you get with almost any medicines. I have uh, found a copy of that online fairly easily. Is there a particular reason why that document is not being sent to parents? The, the HC information um, that is provided is, is scientifically accurate and is, contains information from the patient information leaf that, that you refer to and on the other licensed documentation for the vaccine. All the information that's given by, to the, by the HSE on immunization, and it's not just this immunization, it's all immunizations, is in line with HICWA guidance in terms of communicating in plain English, and they, they issued guidelines in July 2015. I should say this, this document which I've got, uh, and I'll include a link to this as well, it's a seven-page, densely packed document with about two and a half thousand words on it. That's about the same mm. number of words that you, you'd have on the whole of the front page of the Irish Times. Mm. That's correct. And the information in the leaflet the HSE provides includes all the known scientifically proven side effects from HPV vaccine and is prepared from the leaflet that you're referring to. But it is presented in clear, simple language and approved by the National Adult Literacy Agency so it can be easily understood. It does also contain links to, to all the further information on the leaflet, on the, on the vaccine, including the patient information leaflet, which we strongly recommend that parents read. Um, and that is available online, as you mentioned. Um, but the information that the HSC pr- pr- produces contains all the known side effects from the vaccine as outlined in the patient information leaflet. Dr. Brenda Corcoran, uh, HSE's consultant in public health medicine, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. Make your view heard. Dial 076-603-5060 and leave a contribution for the show. You can find tips on how to record a good contribution and other ways to contact the podcast at hereshow.ie slash call. That's almost the end of episode 49 of Here's How, Ireland's political, social and current affairs podcast published on the 3rd of October 2016. There's a link to the Regret website and their Facebook and Twitter pages, along with links to Dr. Brenda Corcoran. 
And because this is such an important issue, I've also included many other links, not to conspiracy blogs, but to the academic and scientific sources for the information that I've quoted. It's all in the show notes for this podcast on the website. I'm also including screenshots of some of the claims on regrets pages that I referred to. If you can think of a topic that you think should be covered in the next show, or if you want to suggest someone to include, and that could be yourself, then let me know. That offer is particularly open to anyone from regret or anyone else who can point at any reliable information that would back up what they're saying. If you like the podcast, please go on iTunes and give it a rating or even write a nice review. Also, please like the show on Facebook. Please follow the podcast on Twitter at Here's How Podcast and subscribe to the show so new shows automatically come up in your podcast feed. You can use iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or any other podcast app or software. If you don't know how to do that, there's step-by-step instructions along with contact details at www.hereshow.ie. The next show will be uploaded shortly. The Here's How podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 